Hey everybody, we are so glad that you have joined us. Good morning to you, everybody here in Kernersville, everybody at our Oak Ridge location, and everybody that is dry and warm somewhere else online from wherever you're watching. Thanks for joining us for the second week of the series that we're calling Keep on Trucking as we talk about how faith can keep on trucking through things that often people think stop faith, but really we're going to learn they don't. Things like fear, worry, and doubt. And today we are talking about how to keep on trucking through fear. Because everybody's afraid of something. Whether you want to admit it or not, whether you get comfortable with that or not, it is true. And I just hope you'll accept it. Everybody's afraid of something. It's one of the most human experiences that all of us have as human beings. It's fear. One of the most common human experiences. And so I don't care how old you are, young you are. Men and women alike, how educated you feel like you are or not, and what your experiences have been, everybody's scared of something. And, and fear is a complex thing. It's a huge topic. There's no way we're going to be able to cover everything that has to do with fear that you can't talk about. It's very complex. Everyone experiences fear differently, yet everyone experiences fear eventually. There's no need to compare. We often do that. You're afraid of that? Well, that's dumb. That's stupid. You shouldn't be afraid of that. No, that's silly. That's crazy. No need to compare. No need to diminish or dismiss because here's the truth. When you experience fear, it's big to you, right? Regardless of what your fear is and how different it is from other people's fears. When you experience it, it's big and it's real to you. Now, I know there's probably at least a handful of you that have joined us that are thinking, well, I'm so glad you're talking about that because those fearful people in the world, they need to hear that. Personally, I, I've learned how to live fearlessly. Oh, Really? That is often a substitute for living foolishly, right? I mean, hey, here's the deal. All of us are fearless with something. I mean, there's something in life that doesn't bother you. There's something in life and maybe a few things that just is not an issue. You're, you're fearless when it comes to something, but no one is fearless when it comes to everything. Everybody deals with it at some level. And we got all kinds of words for fear. It's, like I said, it's very complex. We have different words to describe the different degrees of fear. For instance, a lot of times what you and I will say when we're experiencing low-key fear is like, I'm just really nervous about this. I'm so nervous about how this is going to go. I'm nervous about this conversation. I'm nervous about this meeting. I'm nervous about this doctor's appointment. Nervous, nervous, nervous. We're basically saying I'm experiencing fear. Now, it's not debilitating. It's just it's manageable, but fear. Sometimes we'll say I'm apprehensive. Sometimes fear gets a little bit more, uh, you know, significant and we're like, I'm dreading this. I'm really dreading. And that word dread, that's fear. Or sometimes it's just outright horror, right? But there's different kinds, different flavors of fear. There's irrational fears. The kinds of fears that when you're past it, you look back and you're like, that was crazy. Why am I afraid of that? That's silly, right? You'll say that about yourself. It's very irrational. And there are things that we'll talk about in a few minutes that are healthy fears. There's the nagging fears that just kind of nip at your heels all the time and they just don't seem to go away. And then there's debilitating, crippling fear that just absolutely 
grips you at the core of your being. There's childhood fears, fears that come along with being young, being afraid of the dark, monsters under the bed, in the closet, the separation anxiety from parents, or anything that's new. Now, a lot of times kids get, uh, they experience fear just because it's, un, it's an unrelatable experience. It's new. There's something green and leafy on my plate, and I'm not sure what that is. I've never eaten that before. I don't like that. Well, you haven't tried it. And on and on we go. There's the phobias. Oh, we like to talk about phobias, the classic one, the fear of spiders. They made a movie about it. You know the word. It's a big fancy word, maybe the longest word you know. It's arachnophobia. And there's the fear of heights and then the fear of clowns. Yeah, I don't think. Right? The right clown at the right moment. And yeah. Woo. And then there are those of you that like to experience fear for fun. I don't understand you people. You pay good money to be scared. You pay good money, you walk through the woods and let people jump out and scare you and get you all upset. You pay good money, a lot of money now, to go to a movie and get scared. I don't know, you need help and you need Jesus. Because that is ridiculous, right? I just do not enjoy Experiencing fear and calling it fun. Even though those of you that are uh, not as young as you want all of us to think you are will remember that there was a whole, it was a, it was a cultural phenomenon. Fear factor. Do you remember fear factor? I mean, it's a whole show. I mean, we're going to make a game out of this thing, right? Reality TV. Whoo, fear. Yeah, we like to laugh about it. It helps to laugh about it a little bit because it's no laughing matter when it's all up in your heart and all up in your life. The situations that you're facing, maybe you're facing a situation right now that has got you so gripped with fear, you can hardly see straight. Or maybe it's not something right now that's happening. Perhaps the fear you're dealing with is about something that hasn't happened yet that you are fearing might happen. And when it happens, you're fearing it may be like this because you're experiencing what is a close cousin to fear, something we're going to talk about next week, which is worry. But yet it's related to fear. Perhaps your fears are surrounding a person, another human being, and when they walk in the room, you feel it. You can't want to make eye contact. You don't want to interact with them. Or when their name comes up, you feel it. Or maybe it's a whole group of people. Or a lot of us experience fear when it comes to decisions. We have a decision to make, and we say things like, I'm so afraid I'm going to make the wrong decision. And so we don't do anything often because we are so fearful. It's a serious thing when you're experiencing it. Again, on the lighter side, uh, Back in 2020, if you can remember back that far, during the pandemic, if you can recall that thing. The summer of 2020, a lot of things were trying to open up, at least to a degree. And in Japan, there was an amusement park called the Fuji-Q Highland Amusement Park that was beginning to open up in the summer of 2020, except with this caveat. They banned screaming on roller coasters. Right, they did. They do not, do not scream. Because obviously when you scream and you open your mouth and then you scream, you know, forces air out and all of those virus things go into the air. And unless you're sitting in the front car, 
right? Everybody behind the front car just gets all the stuff that this will change the way you ride roller coasters. If the people in the front car have their mouth open and they are screaming, whatever's in their mouth is getting sprayed back on all the rest of y'all. Sit in the front car. It's healthier. Anyway, they did this whole video. You can YouTube this. I wish we had permission to show you. We don't. But you could actually Google this, YouTube, the fact that FujiQ uh, Amusement, Highland Amusement Park, and, and they banned the whole thing and put out a video, and there was a couple of park executives illustrating what it looks like to not do this. And here's what they requested of everybody. <laughs> they requested that you please scream inside your heart. And they illustrated it. it these two guys, these park executives, and they're riding the you know, hairs, doing all kinds of, they're just like, it's a scream. Well, actually, it's a scream in your heart scream, but it's, it's hilarious. Right. So many of you are walking around. You look fine. You'd never admit it. And you don't want to talk about it. But you're screaming inside your heart. You have no idea. You have no idea the people around you. They look fine. They look normal. They look like they're just going through life. Look, look perfectly fine. But on the inside, they're screaming in their hearts with fear. That's why we're talking about it. Because when you experience that, it will freeze you. We, it will stop your progress. I mean, it can. It will arrest you. We have a phrase that we say, that it stopped me dead in my tracks. And it's like you can't do anything. You're stuck can't make a decision, you're frozen and gripped with fear. And a lot of people, unfortunately, especially in churches, think that fear is a faith killer, that you can't be a person of great faith and a person that experiences great fear, that you can't have faith and fear and fear and faith at the same time. I'm going to show you there's a much better way to see that. There's a much better way, a much healthier way to understand that, that you can actually keep on trucking. In the midst of fear, you can, your faith can keep on trucking in spite of fear. Your fear can keep on trucking actually with the fear that you experience. Now, what makes this challenging for followers of Jesus and people in the church world and people who've been around churches is that you're probably familiar with the most common, probably one of the most, if not the most common command in the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament alike. And it comes in different shapes and forms, fashions. And probably you've already started asking yourself questions. Yeah, but what about that? And doesn't it in the Bible it says to fear not? Did Jesus say fear not? Aren't we supposed to fear not? Yeah, one of the most common commands. So what, what's that about? Because I think we've misunderstood the heart. Matter of fact, I know we have. We have misunderstood the heart behind what it means to fear not. Why are we told to fear not so many times in the Bible? Because we fear all the time. First of all, it's one of the most common human experiences. It happens to us all the time as humans, followers of Jesus. But what does God mean by fear not? I mean, it's certainly not about avoiding fear. Because that's very human to experience fear. It's not that God is saying, I want you to not ever let yourself get put in a situation where you experience fear. That's not what fear not is about. It's not that I want you to just to avoid it and stay away from it and never fear. That's not what it's about. 
You know, there's something, and we mentioned it. Let's go to it again. There's something that we call a healthy fear that's actually God-given. God has given us this thing, the sense within us, it helps us survive, it helps us stay safe. It's a healthy fear. When you get too close to the edge, something triggers, go back up, back up, back up, back up, and go, ah! That was me falling, right? <laughs> to keep that from happening, there's a healthy fear that says back up. What's that? God put that in us. I mean, it's, unless you're two, <laughs> and you're like, what's that? Right. Yeah, oncoming car, you back up, right? You're walking through the yard and you see something dart out from beside you. What is that? It's a snake. You don't reach down and go, at least unless you need Jesus, you don't reach down and go, oh, looky there. Right? You, you take a couple of steps back. It's called a healthy fear and it's given to you by God. So obviously God would not say don't do the thing that he put within us to do to keep us alive, right? And what about, what about in the Bible all the times we're told to Fear God. Oh. Okay. Yeah, but see, that's a whole different thing. To talk about fearing God, it's not about being afraid of God. I'm scared of God. No, it's about a, a healthy, reverential respect and awe of God. But nevertheless, it's still called fear, fear in God. So it's not about don't experience these things. Fear not is not about sin. It is not a sin to experience fear. You can quote me on that, and you will. It is not a sin to experience fear. It is not that you have failed somehow as a human being or failed somehow as a follower of Jesus because you're experiencing fear. God's not mad at you for being afraid. God's not disappointed in you for being afraid. The reason we're told to fear not, and we'll talk about what that means, but the reason we're told to fear not is because fear can hurt us if it goes unchecked. And God doesn't want us to hurt. It can be unhealthy for us. It can limit our progress and hold us back in trust and faith with Jesus. In fact, this is what fear not is all about. Fear not is the difference between having fear and living in fear. There's a big difference in having fear and living in fear. See, having fear is something that happens to you. Living in fear is something you choose to do or do not. Having fear is what happens in your life and it sneaks up on you and it's normal. Part of being a human being. If you can figure out how to not be human, then you can figure out how to not fear. But we all have fear. The difference in what we're told to fear not or redirect our fears or reposition the focus of what's making us fear to something else is because we don't have to live controlled by fear. It does not have to dictate the direction of our lives. And the difference is what you choose to do when you're afraid. The difference is what you choose to do when you fear. How do you respond to fear? That's why we're told to choose something better. And fear not. One more thing before we unpack this a little bit further. If you are experiencing what many people experience, and that is real anxiety, almost to the point and to the point of an anxiety disorder, a clinical diagnosis, where there is a chemical imbalance in your body, in your brain, a hormonal imbalance, and there's many different things that can trigger these things. 
But if that is a chronic condition, I am not telling you, and God's word does not tell you, and Jesus is not saying to you, oh, just have more faith and that'll go away. No. Now, will it help? Will it help what I'm going to talk about in the next few minutes? Does it apply to you as well? Certainly it applies. It applies to all of us. But I'm saying if you are in a situation where you're experiencing an anxiety disorder, you need to seek medical attention. You need to seek medical help. There is a physical, chemical thing going on in your body that needs to be addressed. And at the same time, you can benefit from learning how fear doesn't have to be seen as the opposite of faith, even for someone in your situation. Let me just say it like this. Fear is not the opposite of faith, but the opportunity for greater faith. This is what we're going to learn together in the next few moments we have together. Fear is not the opposite of faith. It's not either or. It's actually the opportunity for us to experience a greater level of faith, a greater level of trust than ever before. That fear does not eliminate faith. Fear actually can germinate a whole greater faith, a deeper trust to take root for us to learn and grow in our trust in Jesus Christ. Fear is not the opposite of faith. It's the opportunity. And some of you are like, well, great. I got a great opportunity because I am scared to death right now. Okay, glad you're here. One of the big moments in the uh, life of the disciples, Jesus' closest followers, and, and even we use the word the disciples, uh, that phrase, the disciples, we're talking about the 12 that spent most of their time with Jesus during that three years. They spent more time than anybody else with Jesus. And I, I want to differentiate that because we're all, as followers of Jesus, called disciples as well. We're just not one of the disciples, okay? We're talking about the or the disciples in the next few moments. And they had this this moment with Jesus, one of these experiences, it was just a key moment for their development and what Jesus was having them experience and what he was training them to do. And the reason I love this story is because I can relate to it in so many ways, and I think you can too, is at least if you're willing to admit that you have fear as well. Luke records it. Let's look at it together. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and they started out. Now, what this is talking about here is actually not just a lake. This is the Sea of Galilee. It's often translated the Sea of Galilee. Sometimes it's translated, like Luke does here, as the lake. And then you and I need to think not Atlantic Ocean, Pacific Ocean. Think Great Lakes, like Lake Michigan, Lake Superior, Lake Ontario, Lake Erie, and Lake Huron. Those five great lakes, you get out in the middle of those, you feel like you're in the ocean because you can't see land. It's that kind of thing, the Sea of Galilee for that area in Judea. It, it's big. And, and the reason I highlighted the words, let's cross to the other side, because that would have been a key phrase for the disciples to have remembered in the next few verses as they experience a big storm. That that would have been something that they would have been helpful for one of them to recall. Wait a second, Jesus told us we're going to the other side, which means we're probably not gonna die like we think we're gonna die. And the reason I highlight that is because that's always good for me and you to remember as well. That God's intention is for to take us through things, right? The very things that we think are gonna take us out, he intends to take us through and so that would have been a key thing. Jesus said, we're going to the other side, which should have been a clue, but, you know, they're just like us. They, they didn't pick up on it. So as they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. Well, isn't that special? But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake, and the boat was filling with water, and they were in real danger. Real danger. 
The reason that's important to note because most of the guys, most of the disciples before they started following Jesus were fishermen or had some type of day job related to the fishing trade. So they were around the Sea of Galilee all the time. They grew up around this area. They were very familiar with storms on the Sea of Galilee and probably had a lot of experience in boats on the Sea of Galilee during a storm. So for these guys to say, we're in real danger, this must have been a humdinger of a storm. I mean, it was bad. And Jesus <laughs> was taking a nap. It's significant because if, you, if, you've, if you've ever experienced fear bad enough, long enough, gone through something long enough and deep enough and grave enough, you might have that feeling of like, where, where's God in this? You ever feel like God has kind of gone missing in your life? You ever, you ever felt like, what are you doing? Is he taking a nap? Are you snoozing on this? Do you, do you see what's happening? I'm in real danger here. You say, well, well, maybe you don't think that it's okay to admit that. But it's okay to admit that. Or else why in the world? Why in the world would we be given this detail? That Jesus was taking a nap while the disciples were freaking out, scared to death, fear. Watch this, watch this, watch. The disciples went and woke up Jesus. They're shouting, okay? They didn't go, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Now they come tearing down to where Jesus is like, Master, Master, we're going to drown. How can you sleep? I mean, they're freaking out, going nuts. They thought they were going to die. Watch what happened. Jesus woke up, and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and suddenly... Not eventually. This is fascinating to me. Suddenly the storm stopped and it was calm. It was like Jesus stood up, walked to wherever maybe the edge, and he was, you know, said whatever he said, and it was like done. Not like, oh, things started settling down a little bit. It was like immediate, supernaturally done, gone. Everything's calm. Watch this. Then Jesus asked him. Where's your faith? And the disciples were terrified and amazed. And look what they said to each other. Who is this man? What did we just see here? What's going on? When he gives a command, even the wind and waves, the very thing that we're afraid of, the very thing that brought fear in our lives, even the wind and waves, obey him. Now, oh, there's so much to unpack here. Did you get the fact that we started with that Jesus told them that they're going to cross to the other side and then Jesus took a nap? All of that was intentional. This whole thing was a setup. What? This whole thing was a setup because Jesus wanted to teach them something and give them an opportunity for their faith to grow, for their trust to grow in him. They were going to be just fine. Because Jesus was going to take him to the other side. That's why he felt perfectly fine to take a nap. But they didn't know that. And they didn't pick up on the fact that he told them to take to the other side. We're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to drown. They're freaking out. This whole thing was a setup for Jesus to teach them something they needed to know. So that their faith would grow and their trust would grow in him. Let me take you back to this last. The verse right before this. Jesus said, where's your faith? Where's your faith? Now, Here's the deal. We don't know what Jesus' voice sounded like. 
We don't. We don't have any recordings. We have no idea. The, and so when we read the words of Jesus, we read it, just like with everything in the scriptures, we read it with a subconscious tone and inflection that we just kind of impose upon Jesus' voice, right? We kind of hear it a certain way and just inma- env- envision it and imagine it in a certain way. Now, i got to be honest with you, the last probably, uh, or the first, I would say, 15, 10 to 15 years of my ministry, and when I would read this, you know, I heard it with a certain tone. And when I heard the voice of Jesus, when I would read this, where's your faith? I would hear it kind of like this for many years. And there's many reasons why, and I probably need therapy, but where's your faith? That's what I heard. Maybe when you hear this, where's your faith? You see a finger pointing. Where's your faith, you spiritual losers? What an embarrassment. I hope nobody writes this down. I hope nobody writes it down. How embarrassing. Come on. I'm Jesus. Where's your faith? That's the way I heard it. That's the way I read it. But over the past 10 years, I think of maybe journeying with Jesus and hopefully growing and allowing God to do a work in my own heart. I don't hear it like that anymore. Because it doesn't jive with the Jesus of the scriptures. It doesn't, it doesn't line up with who Jesus presents God presents himself as through Jesus Christ. This didn't work. So now I hear it more like a loving father would say. Still challenging, but very loving. Hey, fellas, 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 everybody's okay. Everybody's okay. It's okay. Breathe, breathe, Peter, breathe. Where's your faith, boys? Where's the focus of your faith? Where's your attention? All right, all, all lies on me, fellas. You saw what I just did. Where's your trust? See, isn't that different? Isn't that what a loving father, wouldn't you would expect out of a loving father or a grandfather to say, hey, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay, okay. What do we learn here? Look, they were terrified and amazed. Terrified and amazed. It wasn't like when Jesus calmed the storm, they were cool. They're still like, <laughs> I mean, they were just terrified and amazed. This is why I point this out. Because their fear was present and their faith was growing in the same time. At the same moment, their fear was still present, terrified, and they were amazed at what Jesus just did. Their faith was growing at the same time. They're not the opposite. Fear is actually an opportunity. And that fear you're experiencing that is very present in your life, faith and trust in Jesus can grow while you're experiencing that fear because faith is redirecting your fear, redirecting your fear to trust. Or or we could say it like this. Let your fear, this is a choice we make, let your fear be a trigger to trust Jesus. Let your fear be a trigger. I don't care what your fear is. Let your fear be a trigger. We talk about triggers that make us fear. What about fear being a trigger to help us put our faith and trust in Jesus? Because faith is about trusting Jesus while you're fearing. You see, the people say, I gotta stop fearing so I can trust Jesus. No, that's not the way that works. You do it at the same time. It's like I'm learning to trust Jesus while I face my fears, while I walk through my fears, while I deal with my fears, while I experience my fears. Fear is not like a switch. You flick it on and off so that you can turn over here and flick the switch for faith. No, it's a dial. It's kind of like, think of a dial, right? And when the fear dial gets turned up for whatever reason, here's the opportunity for me to turn up my trust in Jesus 
It's an opportunity. So let it be a trigger. I mean, you may always fear what you're fearing. But if you always are going to struggle with a certain fear, maybe you won't, maybe you won't. Sometimes fears are not a big deal because they're in our past. But there's probably a trigger point that you fear. You always struggle with fear in this area. Always let it then be a trigger. Here's what King David said. He said, he's learned that when I'm afraid, not if I'm afraid or should I ever get afraid, but when it happens, when I get afraid, I've learned to put my trust in God. I've learned to put my trust in you. I've learned, I've learned. <laughs> it's something you learn. When I'm afraid, I, I learn to let it be a trigger to put my trust in you. So here's two things to do as we wrap this up to help you remember to let your fear trigger your trust and, and let it be an opportunity for your faith to grow. First of all, name it. Name it, name it, name it. Face your fear. Name it. So important to name the very thing you're afraid of because a lot of times we're afraid and we don't even know why we're afraid. You're just scared for the sake of being scared. There's a reason. But until you identify what the reason is, you really can't move through it and past it and make progress. Name your fear. Maybe it is a situation you're facing now. Maybe it is a situation you're fearing is coming. Maybe it's a conversation that you know you've got to have. Name it. It could be a person. Maybe it is a new experience that you're fearing it's not going to go well. Or a decision that you just don't want to make the wrong one. Say, well, Pastor, do you, do you have fears? You got the time? You don't. It's almost lunch. Yes, I experience fear. As a pastor, I have fears. I have fears. Fear that I, I, I am learning to let trigger my trust. Fears about this church. Okay, I, what about the people that we're not reaching that are right here in our own community? I mean, right here, drive by this place all the time. Drive by our locations. And they're around the people who attend, people like you. And we're not reaching them. That's a real fear. I, I have fear about it, you know, financial things, you know, resources. Yeah. I fear cancer. It's in my past. Beat it once. What happens if I get it again? Can I beat it again? I don't know. I mean, something's going to take me out. And while I'm fearing cancer, I got to watch out for that heart attack that we all fear. You know, and that's in my family. You know, yeah. Real fear. I have fears when it comes to my family. I have real and specific fears around my wife's health and her challenging health journey. I have specific fears that I struggle with with my daughters and now my grandsons. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And sometimes you can take your breath away, the fear you feel. And so I'm right with you. Name it. Name it. This is what I'm fearing. And so, Lord, this is where I'm going to have to trust you on this. Trust you. I'm going to look to you and depend on you. I'm going to name it and let it be a trigger to trust you. And then I'm going to keep going. Keep going. Keep going. I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to let it cause me to freeze. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to trust my way through it. You trust your way through it. You name it and then keep going and keep working and keep loving and keep 
parenting and keep showing up and keep serving and keep giving and keep volunteering and keep living and keep making decisions. Keep on going with your fears in tow, right? You keep, you keep doing what it is you know you need to do. You don't wait until the fear goes away. Hey, listen, there may be always be trigger points to fear, so let your fears trigger your trust. While, at the same time, remember the disciples, their fear was present and their faith was growing at the same time. And the whole thing was a setup for them to learn how that works. And to experience this as an opportunity. The good news is, the more you do this, the more you name it and keep going. The more you do it, the better you get at it. Right? It's like a muscle, right? The more you use it, the stronger it gets, and you'll learn. And then maybe that thing you fear, maybe, maybe it'll subside. Hopefully it will, because we all have things that we used to be afraid of or not afraid of anymore. Maybe that'll happen, but guess what? There'll be other fears that come. As you get older and life changes, there'll be new fears that you didn't have before that you have now. That's just life. That's just being human. But let all of that trigger your faith, and what you'll learn is that You'll get better at that redirection. You'll get better. You won't be perfect at it, and God doesn't need us to be perfect at it. He just needs us to learn that muscle memory. Okay, fear, trigger to trust. Lord, oh, I need you on this one. Hey, Lord, are you napping on me? Lord, I, I am leaning on you. I am trusting in you. I am depending on you. And let your fear trigger your faith so that you can keep on trucking. It's an opportunity for your faith to grow. It's not the opposite of faith. Fear is an opportunity. So let it be a trigger. And what you'll learn is that your heavenly father, his intention from the very start is to take you to the other side of the lake, of the storm, of the fear. He just wants you to learn how to trust him more on the journey. Let me pray for you. Father, we need this one. I need this one. Whew. Father, thank you for your patience with us fear-stricken children. May we let go of the shame and the guilt and the embarrassment of experiencing very human things, things that bring fear. So, Lord, you are a loving Heavenly Father who wants to challenge us, but you want to challenge us in your love to trust you more, knowing that your intention is always to take us to the other side, even when the storm is great and long, even when it may appear that you're absent, you are very present. And our trust should be triggered by these things we fear. Father, help us to realize that we do not have to be fearless to make progress. That our fear can be present and our faith can be growing at the same time. So Lord, may, us, may we see that as the opportunity that it is. And I don't know what my friends are fearing they do. And thankfully, you do. Help us to choose 
to trust you and keep on trucking right through the middle of it. In Jesus' name, amen.